Hi, everybody. Hi. I'm Vince. I'm Amy. You're listening to The Grid is for Squares. Grid is for Squares. And I hope you got your sweaters, because sweater season's coming. <laughs> Pumpkin spice democracy. Yeah. Uh, oh, are... yeah, that's that's coming up. Yeah, but first, what are we smoking today? We gotta get some more weed. This is a sativa salad. Uh-huh. We got the trail end of the Trace Leches and some Blue Dream in the mix. Oh, Blue Dream. Nice. Yeah, our fave of Flav. And this is our last episode before the election, before right? Before the election, We're finally yes. gonna get a new flavor of Doritos. Maybe. It's really hard to believe that the election is so close. Like, it's been this sort of impending doom ship that's coming closer and closer to us with every passing week. And now it is almost here. By the time this comes out, there will be only a few days. And then there will be no more episodes of The Gertis for Squares until after we see what happens with the election. If we figure it out in time, it could it's going to be a whole drawn-out yeah, thing, probably. it certainly could be. It could take weeks to months. We could not know even on Inauguration Day. Yeah. So just stay safe out there. Yeah. Yeah, um, we're thinking about going up to the property for about a week following the election, either to celebrate, to mourn, or to hide. Yeah. And... It's pretty weird the level to which that is not really a joke. Like before, we would have said that and just even had a year it ago when we started the podcast. Yeah, yeah, but now it's our bug out spot. Ha ha! ha but now ha. it's our bug out spot, mom and dad. Yeah, and like that's sage bananas. We voted already. We did the uh, mail in ballot thing but we dropped it off in one of those official boxes because it seemed slightly more secure somehow than putting it in the mail Um, like a trump appointed postmaster influenced yeah yeah. i mean i'm not really that concerned about mail fraud at this point gerrymandering yes Mm -hmm. uh id issues yes but the mail eh, not super did they manage to to halt the counting of the census they say enough is enough. We've counted enough people. I think they did. That's fucked. It is. That's it is really bad fucked. for gerrymandering. That's yeah. why we, we got a census is really important. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. And the episode after this, we'll check in with you again. We might actually take a week off because we're going to, like I said, spend that time at the property. Um, and we might need a little bit of a breather just to get our feet back under us after the election, but we'll see. Yeah, it also seems a little gauche to be talking about, you know, our little corner of the world when, you know, the the kind of fate of the free world is is in the yeah. mix. So, you know, out of respect for the situation, I think <laughs> we, we skipped an episode back in June, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Skipped a week or two weeks. We're going to do that again. Probably. Yeah. Just don't freak out if you don't hear from us next time. We're okay. <laughs> we're just <laughs> bugging out, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Hope you're all bugging so out and staying weird. safe. Yeah. Um, so, but let's get to a happier topic while we can. <laughs> yeah, today's episode. It's about our latest trip up, right? Yeah, which was mostly about one thing, digging. Can you dig it? <laughs> oh, we could dig it. We could dig it, and we did we dig did it. We did dig it. Yeah. 
Uh, we've been thinking about running an excavator for a little while, um, just because of the volume of earth that we kind of wanted to move, especially with the the dugout specifically, which we're trying to turn into like a sort of walk-in cellar type of a thing inside of a hill. Yeah, Um, which if it was the Midwest, it'd be no problem. You just, you need the one tool. You need a round shovel and you (laughs) just keep digging and digging. Occasionally you'll hit a, you know, a kind of big rock and you Uh got to dig around it for a while. But up here we learned pretty quickly, like you need a pickaxe, you need a big heavy sledgehammer to bust up the rocks that you can't wedge out yep you need a round shovel to make a pile of dirt and then you need a flat shovel to transfer the pile of dirt yeah uh, and yeah so, you and your mom kept talking about how yeah. different it was from digging in the midwest from digging in wisconsin and because i was never really into uh gardening or any kind of you know never tried to dig a hole to china I mean, out at the beach, maybe, or in like a sandbox, but not in a backyard. I've never really moved any quantity of dirt before in my whole life. Yeah, it sucks out here. So, yeah, it's interesting that you, Mm -hmm. having had a lot of experience gardening and digging in Wisconsin with that good, soft, black earth, how different it is up here. For sure. So, we figured out kind of early on, there's only so much you can do with a weekend Mm -hmm. and realized, you know, an excavator is really the way to go. Right. Um, but then as we started doing research, you realize the, the excavator is also has finite limitations. Like sure. If you get a mini excavator, you can get it into really tight places, but it still only has like a quarter yard scoop on the front. So for the dugout, it's perfect, but we are talking about doing a catch basin as well. And that you need a bigger excavator uh-huh. for, you always just need different tools. So we decided... The other end of that is it's getting to be winter and I don't Mm -hmm. want to rent an excavator in November, December, if it's going to be a strong likelihood of rain, mud, it's not really as workable. So we sort of reached this point where, you know, it's now or never. We decided it's never, (laughs) it's not this (laughs) year year, anyway. yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, we aren't going to get it this year, but we... So instead, we were like, let's just go buck wild with shovels. See what we can do by hand. <laughs> and we sure did. Yeah. We dug so much, so hard. We were a veritable team of mole rats. Yeah. Little mole family we were. <laughs> really helped having the three of us on the job. Uh-huh. Someone's always working the wheelbarrow. Someone's always busting stuff up. Someone's always shoveling. Yeah. I can't say I was like, you know looking forward to doing manual labor. It's not really my cup of tea. I didn't think it was anyone's cup of tea, but then you told me that you do actually enjoy it. We enjoy it. Yeah. Mom and I enjoy it. Yeah. But I, you know, it's not really my thing. However, um, I am interested in measurable progress. Um, And I'm also, I've always been one of those like, well, if you want something done, you got to do it yourself. Like you can't expect anyone else to do shit for you. If you see a project and you want it to happen, you make it happen. So... I picked up a shovel. <laughs> if digging needed to be done, I was not going to be not part of the solution. I always want to yeah. be part of the solution. It's funny you mentioned measurable progress because to me, that's why the work is so appealing. You do so mm, much yeah. planning in your life and talking and, you know, all of that. You wish in one hand, you plan in one hand and you shit in the other and see which one fills up faster. Um but if you want to measure it in, in mass, if you want to measure it in volume, <laughs> damn, we got some results, Yeah, digging, right? I guess, is one of the most measurable progresses yeah. you can make. Yeah. You got a blister? Almost. Okay. <laughs> I started getting a blister. Well, and you then were wearing gloves. You were being smart. I was wearing gloves, yeah. 
Um, but what was it that we dug? We dug a couple of things, but what was the big one, the one that we needed to do? The one I was most excited about, the one most essential was the rain catchment. Yes. Uh, digging down by the culvert. We dug out a catch basin. Um, there was already a culvert running under the road. Mm-hmm. And the road is a little bit higher than the surrounding ground. So I thought right away, hey, nature's kind of done some of the work for us. And whatever excavator laid down the culvert and the road right. sort of built this natural dam. Um, but we built a berm around the culvert um, to provide an additional like spillway, kind of like a dam. Um, and then dug out behind that. Um, I'm sure we're going to post a lot of pictures, mm -hmm. but we kind of dug these two uh, crescent-shaped pits. Yeah, so like culvert. imagine a donut and then cut that donut in half. So the inner circle of the donut is the depression where the culvert takes the water out, and the outside part of the, the donut is like the crescent that we dug out to catch the water. So like a half moon. Yeah. That's a good way to put half it. Half moon shape, where the inner half moon is the catchment that runs to the, uh, dra that drains. Yeah. And then the outer part of the crescent is where we primarily will be storing the water. And importantly, which was the key to understanding it, which I didn't get before when we were talking about it at home and Vince was trying to explain it, the entire surrounding area, um probably like, I don't know, a quarter acre or something maybe, is it's slanted like down feet, yeah. into that area. So yeah. all of the water that falls over that entire space should flow downhill and end up in our catchment. It's not just catching the water that's directly falling on it, on its square footage. That's the dream. But this time around, you know, it's more proof of concept. Sure. Um yeah, we'll get there someday. But yeah, the idea is that it's lower than the surrounding ground and it needs more liner than what we put down. Uh, but I was really impressed by what we were able to get done together there. We started by breaking up the soil. Um, yeah, the soil down there was fairly hard. Yeah, it wasn't as hard as the dugout. It was a lot more dirt, but there was some roots on top that we had to... So we kind of raked right. away first the Right, first we had to rake first. away a bunch of it, including some poison oak, yeah. which is always fun. And you try to avoid it the best you can, but, you know, can only mm -hmm. do so much. Um, and then we both needed to build up the ground in certain places, and we needed to go lower in some places. So I jumped in there with the pickaxe and started breaking stuff mm -hmm. up. And we started just by throwing our dirt directly on the berm, the part that was going to hold the water back right. from the culvert. Yeah, it's convenient to dig a thing where part of it needs to go down and part of it needs to go up. Yeah. Because then right you don't have to, to make other. the dirt go very far. When we were working on the yurt, which we'll talk about in a minute, Yeah. part of the whole task was moving the dirt away. And that takes a lot of time yeah. and effort. And a lot of thought. Yeah. And so it, it was cool for the catchment digging that you just literally dig it down and then uh -huh. put it one foot away. For the most part, until we got to the end and the berm was... Was high enough and then we just started kind of building out the right. the road part and right. making the road a little bit wider but we also dug a trench that was a big project to get a, oh, a drainage yeah. pipe in there you want to talk about that yeah so again long term it's not going to come in handy this first year um but underneath the berm uh i put down a four inch drain pipe um the idea being that you could drain the entire basin 
um, if you wanted to service it for some reason. Um, but it's one of those things that if you don't put it in now, you're going to have to compromise the berm later on, redig right. it, rebury it, retamp it. Yeah, that where, would be a pain in the ass. Yeah, I don't know exactly how we're going to use it, but it's down there. It's at the same elevation. It's a little upslope from the culvert. Mm -hmm. um, and then we just buried that, tamped it along the way. We went for a pretty steep slope on both sides mm -hmm. of the berm. Um, it was probably pretty close to one-to-one, -one, so like a 45-degree angle. And then had like a two-foot-wide level walkway on top of the berm yep. so that we could wheel the wheelbarrow out. And that was really important as we were building it, too. You want to like stomp the dirt you're laying down. Um, we also sprayed it with water. Yeah. We had a big, what was that, like a gallon? Yeah, gallon. Like... With uh, holes drilled in the the cap so that it would come out like a watering like a shower kind of yeah. or a watering can yeah. yeah yeah and so we watered it down i think that kind of helped stabilize it as we were going mm -hmm. i tried to tamp it with like a heavy round metal like um post driver right kind of on its side worked to right sort of the tamp long way not the small way yeah and then we drove the wheelbarrow full of dirt over the top of it many many times tried to compress it that way because um, it's going to be under a fair amount of water weight and mm -hmm. just on one side. Right. So we got most of, uh, what would you say we got like 70% of that dug on the first day? 60%, yeah. 60%? I think 60 the bulk of the work was the first day. Um, but then the sun started shining directly on it and it was still a little bit hot up there when we were there. It was like mid 90s, highs in the mid 90s, which for mid-October is a little troubling. A little unsettling. Um, it, wa it wasn't too bad. It was still pretty good working weather. But there were a few hours where when you were in direct sun, it was pretty uncomfortable. And we didn't want to be doing manual labor in that kind of environment. So mid-afternoon, when the sun started shining directly on the catchment, we moved our little digging operation over to the yurt site. We weren't really sure what we wanted to dig yet there. Um, we know we needed to we need to dig holes for for the posts, the pylons. And we kind of knew where we wanted the yurt, where we oh, wanted yeah, the Oh, yeah, we were already, yeah, we were already fully about, sprayed right. out where the footprint was going to be. We don't know everything about the surrounding deck, stone patio, all of that, but we do know we pretty much want to build the yurt first, and we'll future-proof it so that we can still build the deck around it. But we've also had this debate about how much usable space do we want to have underneath, underneath the Underneath the platform. Yeah, under the floor. And I'm trying to come around to Amy's metric of, like, just get it done. Like, laser focus on the thing you're trying to build, which is the yurt, and don't try to turn it into, like, a two-story house with a basement. <laughs> and so we're, we've kind of been struggling with that middle ground and sort of decided to let the ground uh, decide for us <laughs> right. that, you know, we just have to give it a shot, see what's possible. Everyone needs to get in the space to even understand like what it would look like right. to have space underneath. Yep. Um, so we marked out, first we marked out about where we thought the posts were going to be. Mm -hmm. Amy jumped in with a shovel right away. I was still like measuring and setting stuff up. And before Leveling. we knew it, Level, leveling sighting <laughs> like I do. Thing, yeah. yeah, it's very important. Uh, but before I knew it, she like had the hole bottomed out like two feet wide and two feet deep. And I was like, this is going to take her, you know, 40 minutes while I'm figuring out my stuff. But uh -huh. she just got it right away. What did you think of the digging? 
Uh, yeah, it was a lot better up at the, the yurt site than it was in the catchment. It was pretty easy. Again, I don't have that Wisconsin right. comparison. Mm-hmm. Like but what easier Midwest than any, was, anywhere but... else on the property, for yeah. sure. Very um, few rocks. So we got really lucky because this place that we have to dig a bunch to before we can get the yurt in happens to be fairly soft dirt. So yeah, we went to town on it. Got our we whole were, pad kind yeah, of level. Yeah, we were thinking about pass. just digging those holes. And then once we started, we're like, oh, let's just grade the whole thing. It's too Why easy. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So we just started chipping away at the hole. Because uh-huh. the yurt is going to be on quite an incline. It's on a hill. Um, there's a bunch of big boulders right at the back at the top of the hill. And then it slopes down from there. The yeah, whole like a one way through the slope site. maybe. Yeah. So if we want to not have a thousand steps at the front of the platform... We're going to need to dig out the back of the platform right. to try to level the, the site out a little bit. So, yeah, we decided let's just go for it. Let's just start digging. Yeah, we got really good results. Ran into a few small rocks. Um, this time around, instead of busting up the big ones, I decided we're just going to leave them in place. Mm-hmm. And they're going to become fixtures. And I'm really glad we did. And we got a picture of that one. Yeah. That was all the way buried, but still part of the same above ground rock family. It looks so cool. It does look very cool. Especially when and after, high. yeah, and after staring at it for a little while, like you do, mm-hmm. um, we were able to figure out, oh, it wasn't even there. It was from pictures. Looking at pictures, yeah. Afterwards, we figured out where the boulder, which part of the larger rock formation it had broken off of and fallen from. How long ago that must have happened. Yeah, and to get just fully so much... covered in dirt. It's fascinating, yeah. Yeah, and you do spend geology. all day... Geology. rocks. <laughs> you spend all day digging it out and working right next to it, and then you grab a beer or a chalada or, you know... You can smoke a joint because you've been digging a, like, fire-safe circle around yourself all day. <laughs> right. And you just stare at the rocks for a while. You get to wondering <laughs> about these things. Yeah. So. Great progress on How here. many cubic feet or yards of dirt do we think do you think we moved first at the yurt site and then in total yeah. with the, the catchment? We'll go back to the, the berm and the catchment at the yurt site. We moved a solid cubic yard. That's it. Twenty-seven cubic feet. I guess that's a cubic lot. space is a yeah. lot. Okay. I don't. I don't want to undersell or oversell yeah, yeah. us. Um, and at the catchment, maybe two cubic yards. Okay, that's including the trench that we dug and then covered right back up again. We moved it. Yeah, we moved. We didn't displace it. I guess right. we did put it back where it was. Uh huh. Yeah. It seems sort of Sisyphean when you put it that way. <laughs> but that's life. But that's life. <laughs> uh, yeah, three cubic yards total is nothing to sneeze at. That's a cubic yard per person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's 27 cubic feet, or I'm not going to be able to figure out cubic inches, sorry. Oh, boy, yeah. Yeah, I could look it up. Do the math quick. at home, friends. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and we technically violated... But not quite the <laughs> the codes about digging yes. excavations. So when we were looking into re- renting an excavator, I went so far as to like find a bunch of companies, and Vince went so far as to call at least one of them. I called the permit office, and then you also called the permit office, yeah, to see yeah. what kind of permit we might need to do some excavation. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about the rules already, did we? I, don't I thought think we might have so. mentioned one. So the rules are in Mariposa County, anyway are you need to apply for a permit, an excavation permit, Mm -hmm. if you're going to disturb more than 5,000 square feet, or if you're going to change grade, 
by more than two feet in either direction. Or, oh, I can't remember the third one now. So if we displaced two feet down and put it to the side, making that four feet total from nadir to peak, does that count as four or two? I think technically we are still in the clear. We're still legal. We didn't change existing grade. It goes by like what the existing grade okay. was. Okay. You can't change it by two feet yeah, plus or minus. Yeah, you can go up or down two You feet. can have two spots right next to each other, up one of which is two down. feet down <laughs> and the other one is two feet up yeah. and the difference is four feet between them. That's okay. Cool. So I don't think we, we technically violate it. And when you're digging by hand, when It Anna, seems like it should be legal in any capacity to mm -hmm. dig with your own two hands on your own property. Yeah. And I mean, they're not coming for people running illegal Airbnbs. They're probably not going to come for some crazy people at the end of a road. Like, <laughs> You dug holes. a little bit too hard with that yep. shovel, sir. I got my tape yeah, they measure. got bigger problems. Yeah. We're in a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about so it. Sorry, we dug some holes. <laughs> <laughs> but then we covered that up with plastic and weighed it down. Oh yes, the the catchment. Yes, yeah, we finished. Yeah. We finished it in a sense. We put yeah. a finishing on it. Plastic. Yeah, I didn't think we'd get as far as we did, and I was really pleased with with how much progress we made on it. Yeah, we put that finishing layer of plastic on it, which even if it doesn't catch the water from around it, it will catch everything that lands on it. Mm -hmm. You want to do some quick math. It's a 20 by 25 sheet of black plastic. Um, so for every inch of rain that falls just on the plastic, that's 300 gallons. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, you think we're going to have a lot of water needs vis-a-vis -vis agriculture? That's where most of our water, that's why we need a catchment. We're not going to catch this water to drink it. No. We should actually, we should, yeah, be clear about this. Watering plants primarily is what this water is for. Yeah, you got to diversify your water supply mm -hmm. in this in this coming future. Um, we kind of just have the one source of water, which is fresh drinking water. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't need that much of that. So the ideal with the catchment is to be able to catch tens of thousands, ideally hundreds of thousands of gallons right. uh, that you just use for watering stuff um, or for showering or, you know, mm -hmm. non-potable needs. Right. Still fine bringing up drinking water as long as I have my thousands of gallons for the plants. So, yeah, we just had a, a big old weekend of manual labor. Digging in one place and then taking Ooh. a break for lunch and to maybe escape the bad air for like an hour or two. And then we would get back to digging. Yeah. Air was not great, was it? It was not great. How are your lungs feeling? I think I can still feel it. I think it did a little bit of damage. I mean, hopefully it'll they'll feel better soon. But... I noticed for sure up there. I don't notice as much anymore. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't feel it as much up there. Mm. Um, it was way more instantaneous for me. Yeah, and That's how I feel anyway. Yeah, yeah. I've, my limit at work is like 150. Uh -huh. I find, and above that, I really start to wheeze and cough. Yeah, I think at its worst up there when we were there last weekend, it was like 188, 190, which you really shouldn't be doing manual labor out in AQI yeah. 190. And we didn't. The times of the day that it was the worst are like right in the middle of the day. So we would take our lunch break in the bus. Um, and we could run an air purifier 
Because we have power now. Yeah. That's been a major game changer. Yeah, it is really, it's really changed the way that we think about the property, I think. Yeah. Like the kinds of things that we can do. Refrigeration. We don't have to schlep coolers around to yeah. shady spots it's every too bad we didn't have now. it in the heat of the summer it would have been really nice yeah, to have but that it's but now. it's there now yeah um, and solar panels to keep it going that was really exciting for mm-hmm. me a huge step towards sustainability that you know now we can keep everything we bring up cool frozen on one side cool on yep, the other you yep. can set the temps um but then during the day you know just a modest folding solar panel 400 watts Sorry, 200 watts at peak. Ours, it peaked at like 120 during the day. But it was enough that we were there for two whole days, right? And we generated more power than we used on our second day there. Cool. Yeah, to be like brutally honest, the bus is a little bit more chaotic and a little less of like a living space than I was hoping it would be. There's not really anywhere to sit or hang out, but like it doesn't even matter because having solar power on the property is such a game changer. Like we wouldn't have been able to do that on our own for like a year at least. Major investment. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't matter that the bus is full of boxes. We have solar power now. um, And that is more than enough to justify taking on the like caretaking of the bus because there is some caretaking of the bus we gotta oh, yeah. turn it on every time we're yep. there we had to connect the battery and turn it on and ran it um for like 20 minutes yeah but now, it moving is moving the solar panels yeah. around mm-hmm. making sure that the big battery is in the shade but the solar panels are in, are the, in sun. the sun yeah that's a little tricky uh yeah. warding off rodents that was a big project. Yeah. I'm glad you kind of spearheaded that this time. We had a... Yeah, so we've been having mice and rats around since day one. Because, um, of course, we are, you know. But now that they've started getting into vehicles, it's becoming an actual problem. Like, Vince's mom hates, hates, hates rodents. Um, so she has very strong feelings about dealing with the mice and rats on the property. For me, it's like, eh, they live there. They're kind of cute. They, I, they don't instantly repulse me. I, I find them kind of cute with their little noses, mm-hmm. their little hands, any animal with little hands. I'm, yeah. You know. And generally speaking, I'm in your camp until they start chewing wires but then they and started making nests in and... the van's oh, engine God. and now we're worried that they're gonna do that to the bus engine so i'm like oh shit okay now this is a real problem what are we gonna do vince unbeknownst to me had yeah. taken a stab at a solution that he learned about from like one of his uncles or something yeah i heard some people say you can put antifreeze like in a cup on your engine block that's kind of cruel Um, Yeah, because it takes like 24 hours to die from eating... Drinking antifreeze. Yeah. It doesn't work its way up the food chain. It doesn't doesn't do that. It's not like poison. So if a snake or a hawk ate one of the mice that had eaten the antifreeze, the larger, the predator wouldn't be in in danger. They would be okay. But But all the same... I was like, okay, that it feels extremely like against the principles of this property or to like live in harmony with nature. Yeah. And now we're leaving out antifreeze for wild animals. Excuse me. 
Yeah, not cool. And it's in the engine, so, like, only, I think, the rodents could get up there. It's not like anything else could get at it. Right. But it just, the whole idea made me extremely uncomfortable. I just really had a very mm-hmm. knee-jerk reaction against it. So I was like, okay, well, in that case, what is the solution? What is the more sustainable solution to this problem? Because I do recognize that it's a problem. Um, and apparently rats and mice are really sensitive to smell and they really hate peppermint and cinnamon. So I bought a product, I think Grandpa Gus's uh, rodent spray, which is just like peppermint oil, cinnamon oil, and menthol oil or maybe something like that. Anyway, it smells very strong, but not unpleasant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Really brings in the season. Yeah. Yes. It is a bit festive. Uh, so we sprayed the shit out of both vehicles' engines, and hopefully that will yeah, we'll take see care when of we the go problem. back up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's supposed to last about a month when you treat it. Um, but this time around, we're gonna bring up some uh, like potpourri bags of it, oh, right? Oh yeah, they're like some nice little sachets that last a little bit longer. Yeah. So um, fingers yeah. crossed that that works. Yeah. Anything else? What else happened? We saw tarantulas. We saw two tarantulas. Yeah. yeah. It's the season of the tarantula. It's the season of the tarantula. It's spooky season. How do you say that? Which? Therosophidae. Yeah, so it's a California tarantula. Therophosidae? Therophosidae? Therophosidae. Aphanopelma? Aphanopelma. Aphanopelma. We probably butchered that. But anyway, it's the California tarantula. I hope they forgive us. They're pretty chill, right? Yeah, they they're pretty chill. <laughs> they're not venomous or anything. Yeah, they're they're, they're gentle. They're they're gentle beasts. Not really dangerous to humans. No, they're not venomous, or at least not in any way that would matter to a human. Um, but apparently if you really scare them, they can shoot spiky hairs from their abdomens into like your hand if you scare it and try Ouch. to pick it up. Um, which can hurt a little bit, but no, they're really not dangerous. Yeah, you just, you don't pick them up, you let them come to you. Yeah, Vince picked one up. No, I didn't. He he let one walk on his hand, and then he lifted his hand from the ground. Uh Uh-huh. They just keep walking, though. You gotta really take care to give them enough of a runway (laughs) to keep walking, but they'll walk right up your arm. Uh, It was so cool. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not there. I don't mind spiders. I like them intellectually. I think they're cool. But I'm not at a holding one in my hand place in my life yet. (laughs) Um, But yeah, they're they're usually nocturnal. We've never seen them before. No, we've never seen them on the property before. In hindsight, I think we've seen tarantula nests and just not really known what they were. Yeah, or burrows. Nests is not really the right. And I think they do kind of build chaotic, thick webs around them too. Right. Yeah, we have a lot of holes on our property, like all over our property, and we've. I don't think I've ever really seen anything coming in or out of one of the holes. Could be some sort of, you know, snakes, snakes, some kind of rodent. But now we're thinking at least some of them are probably tarantula holes. Yeah, they come out uh, during September and October, the mating season. Yeah, so most of the time they're just in those holes and they don't bother us and we don't bother them. Yeah. But then in September and October, the males venture out... uh, to find a mate. Yeah, I always just naturally assume any spider I see is she. <laughs> I don't know. It's just me. Uh-huh. So I insisted when we saw these tarantulas that they were 
female, uh-huh. but apparently it's the male spiders. Yeah, yeah, it's the males that go out wandering during this time of the year in this area. Um, in fact, uh, the town, couple small towns away from us, about 30 miles from us, uh, Coarse Gold has an annual tarantula festival uh, every year right around this time to celebrate. Oh, fun. The they say migration sometimes, but again, it's not really a migration because they're not going anywhere. Huh. The males are just venturing out to find females. They're not leaving the area. They're okay. just they're just on the Wandering. prowl for a date. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And the so the the tarantula festival has uh, events like a hairy leg contest, um, a screaming contest. A tarantula poetry reading. I am dying to know what that looks like. Um, and a tarantula derby, which I can only assume means they line a bunch of tarantulas up and then just hope they all run in the same direction and see uh-huh. who's wins. Yeah. Do people totally. train them? You probably could. They're fairly smart, right? Or you just like have a channel so that they can only really go in one direction unless they get totally turned around and run back to the starting line. Uh, tarantula derby. Um, do you think all of the tarantulas they use are males? Because those are the ones that come out right now? Or do you think that they use both? Maybe. So the males are the ones that are wandering around and they only live up to like six or seven years. I guess females live up to 25 years, but mm. the males often die during the mating. Now they're into some really kinky <laughs> really shit. Really kinky shit. Um, and of course, you know, if you're a female spider and you've mated with a male spider and then the male spider dies, like, you might as well eat them, right? Don't let it go to waste. <laughs> yeah, those are good spider calories. Yeah. Um, so they're yeah. spiders, right? Tarantulas? Are tarantulas yeah, spiders? Yeah, I think so. Okay, they're arachnids, so. they're spiders. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's a little unnerving the first time that you see a tarantula just like on the ground near your foot yeah uh at least it was for me but they're not gonna hurt us they don't want to and they couldn't really even if they did want to um and they're an important part of the ecosystem um they're pretty rad too yeah i mean it's it's pretty cool it's very in season it's interesting that like october is when the tarantulas come out because Ooh. Must be something in the air. Yeah, it means cooler temperatures. Rain is on the way. Yeah, I mean, that's why mean. Coarse Gold celebrates it, I can oh. only assume, right? Mm-hmm. Because it sort of marks the changing of the seasons. It's almost the end of the long, oppressive, hot, dry summer. And pretty soon it's going to start to rain. Yeah. Yeah, they've always got their, like, black sweaters on. I just realized the tarantulas, <laughs> they're ready for Very fall. Very cozy. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Aww. Cute. You get to hold eight little cups of pumpkin spice latte. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully it really means that rain is coming soon. It would be nice if we could catch something in that catchment we just built. But if not this week or next week, then you know a few weeks after that, it's coming. It'll yeah. come. And when it does, we'll <laughs> catch it. We'll be ready for it. <laughs> All right. Well. The next time we talk to you might be after we've spent a week on the property. Hopefully we'll know who the president is. Uh, hopefully. hopefully everybody's going to be okay. I hope so. Um, get out there and vote if you haven't already. Please. Um, or vote by mail if you don't want to go out. Yeah. Is there still time to do that? I think 
in some places. Oh, no. <laughs> go um, there. You got to go there. You got to go to there and you got to vote. Nobody else can vote for you. I hope not. I got to say something. Say it. We've gotten some reports of people carving reviews in tree trunks. <laughs> oh, no. Um, <laughs> and we do not condone that. No, don't carve your review for our show into a tree trunk. Uh, how can the nice people leave a review? Carve it into your phone instead. <laughs> <laughs> how do you do that? Um, if you enjoy the show um, and you want it to leave us a nice review so other people can discover it, the show and listen to that would be super appreciated um this is our 21st episode now so it would be cool to to start getting out there a little bit more so if you would want to leave us a review on apple podcasts or whatever app you listen on that would be really nice and we would appreciate it sure would thank you (laughs) all right please vote please be safe we will talk to you soon Keep wearing your mask. Keep wearing your underwear. Peace.